Jenny and I are blessed to have two spiritually adopted daughters and three biological children. The oldest is 30 and about to have her second child. The youngest is eight. For those of you good at math, yes, that's a span. The good news for me right now is that I have the next three years off of middle school. (laughs) That's my happy dance. See, those of you in middle school thought it was bad, trust me. When you're a parent of middle schoolers, it's equally hard, (laughs) okay? So that's the win in my life. But right out of the gate, I want to affirm something that is true for those of you that are parents. Yes, parenting is harder than it used to be. I've seen that in the span of kids, and I feel that on my own. You're not dreaming. You're not imagining things. Yes, it's harder. There are a lot of things making it harder, Breakdown of the nuclear family and this and that and all that's associated with it. People not living next to extended family. So if you're a kid, you see grandma and grandpa twice a year and you're like, they're like Santa Claus. You know, and it's great, but you only see them twice a year. Women in the workforce uh, working crazy and then trying to hold down the fort at home. Uh, There's the old stranger danger. So you have to be careful, you know, what. What are you talking to that man by the pool? Do you know him? Who is he? Stranger danger, stranger danger. You know, and you know, you're panicked about any adult that your kids don't know that they're talking to. And then there's conflicting advice from experts. When John Mark was a baby, we were told explicitly, do not introduce meat and baby food. Don't do it. It is bad. We had Jill and they were like, that you need to have iron and protein. You better be giving that girl meat and baby food. Then we had Maddie and it was, oh, they need meat, but you better puree it yourself and it ought to be grass-fed, whole organic, you know, blah, 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 blah. Then there was the put them on their back to sleep. No, 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 let them sleep on their tummy. No, you let your kids sleep on the tummy? I'm called Child Protective Services right now. You know, you should have your kids taking conflicting advice. It is harder today to be a parent. To be a parent in 2015, you have to bring your A game all the time. My parents, my parents could be laissez-faire. For those of you not good at French, that means do nothing. (laughs) Okay, they could be laissez-faire. At age 10 in Hartford City, Indiana, I roamed the streets freely. I rode my bicycle into the country My mother never knew where I was, never knew what I was doing, and was never worried about it. I knew it was time to come home when the streetlights came on. That was the ding, time to start pedaling home. Um, And once, because I was smarting off to my mom, my dad cut off slivers of ivory soap and made me eat it. And they were not arrested for it. In fact, I'm pretty sure they bragged to their other parent friends. (laughs) Well, you know, Mark was being a smart aleck, and I just made him eat ivory soap. And they were like, "Woo, Mike and Sherry, you are all-star parents. (laughs) Today, you would most definitely get arrested. So parenting today is harder. It is. There's a ton of rules of what you should do and shouldn't do in order to be a good parent. And it stems from a belief that your son or daughter's future happiness and success utterly depend on you. And if you mess it up, mom or dad, game, set, match. That's a heavy thing to labor under in 2015. Now, if you're here today and you're a student, I want you to hang with me. 
Because in this message today, I'm going to actually explain stuff that's going on in your mom and dad's brains and hearts that makes them, in your opinion, wackadoodle. Okay? So hang with me. You're going you're gonna to get a snapshot of some of the stuff that worries them, some of the stuff that frets them, and why they sometimes seem absolutely wackadoodle. And at the end, there's actually something that you can do, a gift that you can give your parents. And if you do this and you have siblings and they don't, you will become the most favored child. And you'll get more in the will. Okay, so for those of you who are parents, you feel this pressure, don't you? You feel the pressure of you've got to do everything right. You can't make that many mistakes because your kid's future success and happiness depends on it. And if you mess up, boom. It's too late. You feel that pressure. And because of these beliefs, because we labor under these fears, um, parenting has become what I want to call a tyrannical kindergarten. I know those are big $9 college words, tyrannical kindergarten. But I'm stealing kindergarten from a guy named Joseph Epstein. And this is what he wrote in 2008. He said this, Under kindergarten... All arrangements are centered on children, their schooling, their lessons, their predilections, their care and feeding, and general high maintenance. Kids are the name of the game, and now parents are indentured servants. I believe part of what's driving this is fear that if we do a few wrong things, the child is ruined for life, and a mistaken belief that if we do everything right, our kids will turn out perfect. And all of this anxiety and mistaken belief mix is driving us crazy busy. Um, And I will admit, I used to be a very anxious parent. I was. When my son was about to be born, I read like three or four books on fatherhood. and, And if you had asked me at age 27, Max, what does it mean to be a good parent? I would have had a list. I would have had a philosophy. I would have had a strategy. I would have had a game plan. Do you know what my parenting philosophy is now? That pretty much sums it up. Pretty much sums it up right there. I don't have one. Here's what's motivating me today. I'm a parent, and I talk to a lot of parents. Parents are hassled. Parents are stressed out. Parents are laboring under a lot of guilt. And so today, I want to say to you, Hey, quit freaking out about your kids, okay? You're not near as bad a parent as you think you are, and it's not all up to you. Yes, you play a hugely important role. Yes, you can be intentional, but you can stop freaking out about your kids. And in order to set your heart and soul at ease, I'm actually going to cover everything the Bible has to say about how to parent, Don't worry, I have spoken to the people in the nursery in G-Town, and they're prepared. This service will go till about 12.30 today, but this is absolutely worth it. No, 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 this is absolutely worth it so that you can hear the whole, you know, wisdom of Scripture when it comes to how to parent. And so we're going to start with the first key passage, and that's in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and they're going to put these verses on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, all right? The Israelites had escaped from Egypt. They had wandered 40 years in the desert. The day had come when it was gonna, they were going to cross the river into the promised land, into what would become Israel. 
there was a rumor that Moses is not going to come along. And at this pivotal moment, Moses gives a farewell address. And this is what he says. These are the commandments, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. In other words, he's saying, this isn't just about you. This is about your children and grandchildren, okay? Uh, you, your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey his decrees and commands, you'll enjoy a long life. And then verses 3, he says, Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. He's saying, Listen, the Lord is God. Not anything else, not these things from Egypt, not what you think. God is God. God's it. And then verses 4 and 5. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strengths. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. First time ever in the Bible we're told to love God. People innately know, oh, if there's a divine being, I should fear him. Maybe I should flee from him. You know, maybe I should be a little scared of him. But here we're told, no, 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 no. Love him. Love him. Later on in the New Testament, we're actually told that God is love. Okay? So, verses 6 and following, he kicks it up into high gear, and Moses says this. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So he's saying faith should be part of everyday life. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. It's something that should be part of what's going on in your family life. That's the whole when you lie down, when you get up, when you're walking, when you're sitting at a table. If you have kids that are in K through 5, we actually have an online portal that has tools and cues that can help you leverage those moments. I'll give you one example from my life this week. On Thursday, I went ballistic because I dropped a bunch of stuff on the ironing board that my wife had piled there. And I lost my temper. And I threw the stuff on the bed. My eight-year-old daughter heard me. On Friday morning, I apologized to my uh, eight-year-old daughter. And I said, you know what? Yesterday, when I moved all the stuff off the ironing board and I lost my temper, that didn't honor Jesus and it didn't honor your mom. And I had to tell my daughter that for two reasons. One, she witnessed it. And then two, she also ratted me out to my wife. (laughs) Right? So there's built-in incentive. But in that moment, she got an upfront row about how forgiveness works, how grace works, how it works when you're, you, you have to swallow real hard and say, yeah, my bad, I was being stupid. Okay? So make faith an everyday thing. Make faith an everyday thing. So the next key passage is Psalm 127. Psalm 127. And they'll put it up. It's like verses 3 and, three and 5. Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full. This is what the verse people always quote when they have five or more kids. Okay? My quiver's really full. It's awesome. I'm blessed. Okay? 
He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. In other words, the key idea here is, you know what? You should be grateful that you have kids. The next verse is a famous one. Kids hate this verse. Don't fail to discipline your children. They won't die if you spank them. In other words, the big idea here is, hey, set boundaries. Say no to some things. It's not going to kill them. Boundaries are good things. Okay? Next key passage, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. If you want to know what this is like, go online and watch Jimmy Kimmel's video of a dad telling his kids, I've eaten all your Halloween candy. That's this verse right here. You ate all my candy. Yes, I did. (laughs) Okay, that's provoking your children to anger by, by how you treat them. Okay? All right, that's it. That's the, these are the key passages from the Bible about how to parent. Oh, wait, it didn't take two hours. See, the Bible is surprisingly silent about how to parent. It has a few big ideas, but there isn't this long list of, you should, you shouldn't, when it comes to parenting. Isn't it ironic that we live at a day and a time when what God says is incredibly liberating and what culture says is so legalistic, right? I mean, the cultural experts in terms of what you should and shouldn't do, I mean, if you violate some of those things, your friends are calling you, you know, you're a bad parent. (laughs) You are such a bad parent. And boom, 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 down the guilt goes. All right, so for all of you parents today, in light of this crazy busy lifestyle that we have, in light of what God has to say about parenting, can I just say to you, quit freaking out about your kids, and here's why. Just because you do a few things right doesn't mean they're going to turn out perfect, and just because you do a few things wrong doesn't mean they're ruined indefinitely. Let me tell you about a couple of people in my life. One is a friend of mine. He is a 31-year-old pastor of a satellite church of a big church in Ohio. And the guy is as buff as they come. Like, when you meet him, you're like, please don't snap my neck off my body. You know, okay? His dad was an alcoholic, and his dad was verbally and physically abusive to not just him, but the, the guy beat his wife, this my friend's mother. And the things that were said and done in his home are just absolutely atrocious. When she finally decided, you know what, I'm, done. I'm not going to do this anymore, she then proceeded to, to do two other men who did the same thing. Okay? So looking at it from a you know, per- purely American legalistic perspective, he should be messed up for life. And yet, he's married from everyone who knows them, they will all say, he loves Callie so well. He, he, and as a pastor on a continuum of pastors, he is literally in the top 10% of the most gentle pastors I've ever met. He is a gentle man. He embodies the word shepherd. And yet, look at what he came from. Grace of God. I have friends that I went to school with at Wheaton College They have three kids. 
They homeschooled their children. They never bought a TV. Anything James Dobson said to do, they did it. Anything James Dobson said, don't do it, they didn't do it. Today, two of their three kids don't have anything to do with God or church. And in honesty, the oldest one is kind of a jerk. (laughs) I mean, just be honest. And they did everything right, okay? So formulas don't work. Kids aren't a computer, and you're not a programmer, okay? So quit freaking out about your kids. Well, what can you do? If I could share some advice that other people have shared with me, maybe this would help. The first is this. Mom and dad should come first. Mom and dad first. So in my family, the way it plays out, the kids are always, I need this, I need this. My thing to them is, up, up, mom's first. Mom's first in line. Her thing to them, same thing. Whoa, dad's first. Dad's first in line. If the kids in your home are kids that you had with someone else and there's now another adult that you're married with, you know, et cetera, that other adult comes first over the kids. It's okay. And here's some ways that plays out. Um, Sanctity of the bedroom. My kids were among the sickest kids ever. Of two of my three kids, always had croup, pneumonia, ear infections. I mean, they were sick all the time. So there were times when they were in our bedroom, they were sleeping, but they didn't stay there. So I would say to you, mom and dad, keep some sanctity of the bedroom. And then some people will do this thing when their kids are little, they'll have uh, mom and dad time. When everyone comes home at first, they'll have five minutes where it's just mom and dad to, to connect and talk about the day, and the kids know, nope, it's not you yet, you come second. I know it sounds crazy, it flies in the face of what we're told culturally, but I really believe that if you do some of those things, when your kids are 30, they'll thank you for it. And I found that to be true in my own life. I have this weird thing I stole from another parent where I go off the clock at 8.30. Maddie knows this. If it's after 8.30 and she bothers me, she's in trouble because daddy's off the clock. It's your bedtime. (laughs) right? And again, it sounds, based on how we're told to parent today, it sounds like you should, like I should be jailed. But, right, there's something in this where the the sanctity of mom and dad, the sanctity of the marriage relationship trumps the kids, okay? The second thing, I told you middle schooler and high school students to hang with me, so here's what I want to ask of you. Would you please give your mom and dad a break and don't expect them to show up to everything you do? Here's why I say this. Here's why I say this. Band, karate, soccer, football, arts, gymnastics, fill in the blank. Everything today, the commitment level for it is insane. And it works well if you have two parents and one kid, but if you have any other version, one parent and two kids, two parents and two kids, two parents and five kids, one parent and three kids, any other version, it doesn't work. And here's why it doesn't work. I was in a state championship band when I was growing up. We had one concert in the fall and one concert in the spring. We went to band camp for a week. We competed at the district level, and then we competed at the state level and won. Today, if you want to be in band, it's three weeks of band camp. It's every Saturday competition for six to eight weeks in the wee hours of Saturday morning to the wee hours of Sunday morning, and it's four concerts. What parent, if you have more than you know, one kid, what parent can accommodate that? So what I would say to you 
middle school and high school students, and this is the deal. You have this pact with your fellow buddies, and even you will, you will do the thing of, well, I really don't care if my parents come, but then you do. And, and you all notice when they're there, and you have this pact where you judge other kids because their parents don't show up for some things. Stop that. Stop that. Like, so what I'm asking of you today is, like, make a decision ahead of the season. So sit down with your mom and dad. If you're on a soccer team, pick the games that are important. Hey, mom and dad, you know what? East-West, that, I want you there. And this other game, I think I'm going to start. I want you there. So pick them ahead of time and agree upon it as a family. And that's going to provide a relief valve for crazy busy, right? Because who can keep up with all of the stuff that's going on? That's a tremendous gift. Last but not least, I would say these several things. Pray a lot, say you're sorry, talk about faith in your home, and be part of a community of faith. Trust God for the rest. Trust God for the rest. So quit freaking out about your kids, okay? Breathe breathe. You know the passage we just looked at in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6? So Moses is telling them, here's what you need to do. Let me tell you the rest of the story. They didn't do it. Make faith something that you pass on to the next generation. Fail. They didn't pass faith on to the next generation. Literally, in the next book of the Bible, the first sentence is, there was no king, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right? So they make faith part of your everyday thing. Well, they, they made phylacteries that they put on their arms and their foreheads, and they put mezuzos on their doorposts, and then they made it a bunch of rules. And it wasn't this part of everyday part of experience. Fail. Um, they were also supposed to love God with everything. Remember that whole love God with all you got? Fail. It all points, crosses over here, it all points to Jesus. Moses was a lawgiver. Jesus was a lawgiver. Jesus gave commandments. Someone asked him once, what are the greatest commandments? Oh, love God. Oh, yeah, we've heard that before. And love your neighbor as yourself. Only unlike Moses, Jesus took on the cross the penalty of disobeying those commandments, even though he obeyed them perfectly. So if you can trust God with your salvation, if you can trust God for what he did, you can trust him with your kids. If God did not abandon the Israelites who failed to live up to Deuteronomy 6, and he sent his son, he won't abandon you because he sent his son. I want to pray.